0: What's going on, everybody? Here we are for another episode of Believe in Kentucky. Look, everybody watching, we are live. You know our names if you listen, but now you can see our names. We got this cool new layout. We got Aaron Gershon for the Cash Palms, the former UK QB, Jalen Whitlow. My name is Vinny Hardy. Fellas, how y'all doing?
1: Good, man. Cagaplar. Yeah, absolutely can't complain. It's good uh, having football back to talk about going to practice. You know, three days a week, and uh, uh, it's fun. It it means uh, we're getting really close to real stuff. So uh, just about three weeks out, so it's a good time of year.
0: Coach Whitlow coming in in full Walker gear, that you know is about that time, baby. So
2: (laughs) yeah, man, we you know we we in the middle of it now, man. Um, You know, camp. It's done and you know we're doing scrimmages, and school started today. Uh so getting ready for first game next week, man. So uh you know we're in ground mode, man, trying to get these young men ready to play a game.
0: There you go, there you go. Well we are live streaming this episode like we have been the past month or so. So if you follow us on Twitter I Believe in Kentucky, we are live there. We got the YouTube page, Believe in Kentucky podcast, Facebook, Believe in KY. So if y'all got questions, comments, throw some at us and we'll respond and read them and acknowledge them and all that good stuff. Uh, Aaron Gershon at the Catspaws has been at the Fan Day, been at Media Day, been at all the press conferences. We've been watching the interviews and stuff from afar dealing to myself. So you know, fellas, how we feeling? What we thinking? And as far as what we've been hearing initially in the fall camp?
1: Yeah, the number one thing for me was, I mean, what's on everyone's mind is the offensive line. It looked a lot, lot better than we saw in the spring and definitely last year. I think that was the number one thing that was uh, most encouraging from fan day practice. They were able to run outside zone successfully with really every running back that they used uh, with that. They were able to. Run the ball a little bit up the middle pass protection was good uh there was just it, it felt like you know kentucky football again where they're able to control the line of scrimmage on the offensive side and that's not to say Deion walker and Keyshawn silver and some of those big guys didn't wreak havoc on a few plays they sure did uh wasn't perfect i mean for example the first play of 11 on 11's Jagger Burton messed up a snap and Devin Larry had to fall on it and it was like uh-oh here we go uh but then I really just got better and better as the practice went on so a big kudos to the offensive line I did find it interesting that as of now at least uh Jeremy Flax was getting all, almost all not quite all but most of all uh the first team reps at right tackle so we'll see if Cortland Ford eventually kind of passes him up there but uh Early on, you know, I talked to Ford last Friday, I really enjoyed meeting him for the first time, and <laughs> he was a pretty funny guy. But, uh, yeah, flax as of now, uh, you know, got the majority of the first team reps, and that was kind of a trend with some of the transfers outside of like the obvious Steven Leary's, um, Demi Sumo Karim Jabe, some of the guys who you just know are going to fill a role, Marcus Cox, like the guys who are given to have a role in the team, but like guys like Davian Rayner. Uh, the linebacker from Northern Illinois was working with the third team. So it's kind of like trying to get those guys to earn their stripes a little bit. So we'll see if, you know, Ford working with the twos is more so one of those things, or maybe Jeremy Flax is showing some improvement. So the offensive line was the first thing. Uh, and before I ramble on too much, the second thing I want to note for uh, staying on the offensive side of the ball is, um, Isaiah Cummings looked the best I've ever seen him personally in practice Saturday, and that's kind of been the word on the street. Before we even got to go to practice, he's back with Liam Cohen. Uh, He looks comfortable. He looks bigger, stronger, more muscular, all the above. (laughs) Made a bunch of plays with the first team, second team offense. A bunch that would have went for touchdowns in games, just was a beast out there. And so was Anthony Brown, the freshman, just continues to impress. Um, You know, heard a lot of good things in the – in the spring, but then, you know, learned what I was doing, a story, working on a story on him, that he was having some drop issues. And what Vince Merrow told me, he's pretty good friends with uh, Maurice, um, who's his coach down there, his high school coach, who's a former uh, Kentucky player at Springfield, Ohio. I think it's a, uh, I'll get the name in a second. I want to make sure I have it correct. Um, but basically he said that, you know, during spring break, uh, he went back to springfield and he was catching balls uh marie Douglas, former wildcat who's the head coach there at springfield ohio um he, he was out there at 6 30 in the morning catching balls and you know there haven't been any drop issues with him here in the fall he's going to play a role on this team so and you know if you saw my story there uh vince merrill kept bringing up wandale robinson i don't know if that's fair or not but that's what vince does so uh we'll see and then the last one. Uh, Demi Sumo Karanjabe, I mentioned him a minute ago, but the transfer from NC State, he's a running back on the on the death chart, on the roster, not death chart yet, on the roster, uh, was a running back at NC State. But they are using him as a running back and a lot in that slot. And he made some plays down the field. There was one wheel route that he made a great play on. Uh, the chemistry he already has with Devin Leary, obviously, was, um, is, was a plus of bringing him in. And was evident at practice, so uh, he's a guy they're really high on. Both Mark Stoops and and Liam Cohen kind of gushed over him a little bit, you know, both on Media Day and uh, Saturday at, at Fan Day. So uh, those are the my quick takeaways on the offense. We can get to the defense later, but a lot to like on the offensive side of the ball.
0: They talked about using him and Cummings and tight ends to kind of compensate for being a little short at wide yes. receiver where you had the guys hit the portal. I mean, you got Barry and Key and, and Anthony Brown making noise, right. but not as much depth. And they can kind of, you know, have guys kind of multitask and, you know, cover up for what you don't have in the form of true wide outs on the roster
1: yeah no that's a great point I, I think the other guy too that's going to factor in that room is shamar porter uh the freshman out of nashville that dude he's got the and wood uh was, we we're talking to woody scott woodward on tuesday and he he said it too he already has the frame he's six three two oh five he doesn't look like a freshman that dude uh, looks legit already. He's not like, you know, Dane is 6'3", but they've been trying to get him to put on some weight, and he did put on a little bit over the offseason. He looks like even more ready than Dane did, just from a body perspective, um, la- than Dane did that this time last year. So, you know, I think he'll factor in. But, yeah, they they, they definitely, you know, they got to get more out of Dekel Kratis and Tavion Robinson. There's still some unknown with both of those guys, and, you know, you know what you're going to get. Probably from Barry on Dane, and feel good about with Anthony and Shamar. But you got to get guys to step up, and you could be versatile with it. Might as well move Isaiah and, and Demi around and get them get their hands in the ball and uh, get their hands on the ball in creative ways.
0: With your mindset, Jalen, going into the well, you got you get your first scrimmage, which will be a depth chart influencing scrimmage as always. Your mindset is it the same as if you're starting for a game, or do you is it more pressure, less pressure? How do, what's the mindset going into a scrimmage, and going into
2: a game? Yeah, I, you know, everybody's different, man. I, I just think, as a, from a player perspective, the mindset should be uh, to just go out and execute. You know, at the end of the day, you know, those guys know where they are. Uh, you know, as far as where the coaches see them on a depth chart or the imaginary depth chart, they, they know where they are. Um, and I think the biggest thing, and the coaches preach this, is just go out and, and execute. A lot of times with scrimmages, they don't really get too fancy with the play calls. They don't really get too fancy with, uh, you know, the scheme. They just want to see guys execute the basics over and over again, right? So who can do that? at a higher rate are typically the guys that you know that you can count on. Um, so I think we know, you know, we know a few names that we, that are locks, you know, these guys are, are locks to be starters, but I think it's going to be interesting uh, with the tight end things Going to be interesting with that fourth, fifth, and sixth receiver. Um, who are those guys going to be? You know, I think that's the biggest thing. Um, so, you know, you get Vince Morrow talking about Brown is like, uh, uh, you know, Comparing Wondell and you know that's yeah. that's a lot, that's a lot of praise right there. Uh, so i so he must be a guy that you know is probably behind the main two. You know, so uh, if if they're saying that, so we'll yeah. see. I think the mentality the mentality really should be. Uh, for those guys to just go out and play fast and execute. I think anything other than that, man, I think you put yourself in a bad situation. You just want to go out and, and make the routine plays routinely. Yeah, I just want,
1: sorry about that. I just want to add on to that. It's Anthony was Anthony Brown was working with the first team on, on Saturday because Barry on Brown was not practicing. He had a little bit of a soft tissue thing. Uh, we'll probably get a status update on him Saturday, but I did see him uh, with a helmet, which he didn't have. He didn't practice at all during fan day. He was on the sideline. Um, but I did see him with a helmet and it looked like shoulder pads on when he was walking off the field Tuesday after practice when, when, when we were let in. So uh but yeah, they're gonna use Anthony Brown. You're you're totally right. He's behind Barion, behind D, uh, behind Dane, behind Tavion. But Scott Woodward also said, you know, he was filling in at the at the Y or I'm sorry, at the Z uh for Barry on 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 Saturday, but Woody told us Tuesday he could play X, Y, uh, slot F. I mean, it doesn't matter. Uh, they're gonna find he's gonna play. He's gonna be a factor.
2: Yeah, that's, that's good. So, you know, you know, I, I think they got a good problem to half over there right now. You know, they got talented guys. I mean, you got a freshman six three two oh five coming in. I mean, I mean, that's what more can you ask for? I think you know, and we talked about this a while back that this may be the best roster from top to bottom on offense that yeah. we've seen. Um and I, I, you know, I don't disagree with that. You know, I think it may be. You know, I mean you got potentially two all SEC guys right now at receiver, potentially. Potentially an all SEC quarterback. Potentially an all SEC caliber running back. Um, you know, that's I don't in, not in my lifetime, I haven't seen that since I've been watching Kentucky football. So, you know, they got a chance to, to, to really do something. I think you know, the depth is there, the talent is there. Uh, like I said, it's a good problem to have when you're trying to figure out who's your fourth best receiver or your next best tight end. You know, that's a good problem to have.
1: Yeah. And it, it all starts with Leary, too. And th- there was some rust in the passing game, I think, you know, just that second day in pads um, that we saw on Saturday. There was a lot of good, uh, but there was some rust. I know there was a ball behind Brendan Bates. Um, that was probably a play that Leary makes in his sleep during the season. So, you know, we'll see what happens there. But I, I, think, I think Vinny and I had this conversation last week. I wanted to get your take on it, Jalen. I just feel like if everything goes right and you get the Devin Leary – and maybe even better that we saw in 2021 at NC state, obviously talking 35, five touchdown interception ratio uh, goes into 2022 as the ACC player of the year. I just feel like with the way he extends plays is willing to take his check down, which we saw a ton of um, at practice last Saturday with Ray Davis, checking it down when he needed to something. (laughs) will Levis for all the good. That was not a strength, Uh, but just the willingness to use his check downs, not put the ball in danger and have touch on the ball, not, you know, I, my take on it has been: Will Levis, I think, will have the better pro career with his arm strength, with what he's able to do, just from a sheer arm talent um, and body frame, you know, perspective. But with Devin Leary, the accuracy he puts on this ball, the decision making. I just feel like he's a better college quarterback and it might benefit Kentucky this year. And some of these receivers who, you know, there are a lot of balls that like, I I keep going back to week one of last year, Isaiah Cummings, a 20 mile an hour pass wide open the end zone. And it's just an absolute fastball. And yeah, you know, Isaiah, I'll tell you 10 out of 10 times, you should catch that ball. But, that's a tough play for a college kid who's not necessarily NFL ready at that point. You know, I think when Deandre Hopkins catches passes from Will at some point this year, it'll be fine. But for some of these college kids, I just think Devin Leary might be a better fit for them.
2: Yeah. You know, I I don't, obviously I haven't been at practice, um, Mm -hmm. but from what I'm hearing and from what I'm, the clips that I see, he just looks, he, he looks poised, man. He looks, He's, he, he's a very mature processor, is what I, I would say. Yes. He's a very mature processor at quarterback. And, and I would say that even two years ago at NC State. Oh, he, he was? No doubt. He hell. was a very mature processor in the pocket. And you don't find that a lot in college. You know, uh, the guys that are able to do that are starting on Sundays right now. Um, he's a very, very mature processor. He's a natural quarterback. It just flows with him. Uh, he understands, he feels the game. He has really good feel. He has really good feel when it comes to uh, the degree of ball to throw, the touch, uh, right. and not just the touch, but he can throw with velocity and it, it could also be um, you know, it, 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 he has that fine line of touch and velocity at the same time, is what right. I'm trying to say. And a lot of people don't have that. Where you can throw a slant and you zipping it, but at the same time, it's not a brick. It's not a right. heavy ball. You that's know? what
1: we saw last year
2: in my opinion. Yeah. And 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 that and that's that's a not many people have that. So I'm not throwing shots at anybody. There's no. guys who start in the NFL on Sunday who don't have that. Yeah. Uh, oh oh yeah. You know, exactly. so he just he has it. He has a lot of uh grace in the pocket. He has a lot of grace with his throws. And I think he's a very mature processor, man. Which is at the end of the day, this this position. It's about processing under pressure. So yeah. if you're in a good system and you know where your outlets are, you know what's coming. You you have a, a system in place where it's not a lot of guesswork. You're looking at a guy who could potentially um, rewrite some of the records that were just written. Uh, you know, so all And I'm not putting pressure on him. I'm not saying that he will. I'm just saying that he has that opportunity if the offense start to click and roll and they get a rhythm. Uh, if they can run the ball well, all you needed to tell me was that the wide zone game is looking good.
1: It was. Oh if, if, yeah. If, really if that if that you can
2: you I mean you can do a lot off of that, you know, yes. in a game, in a screen game. Uh so you know I'm I'm, I'm excited to see because I man, look, I watch Liam Cohen and guess what I do? Take notes. And steals, yep. you know, so what, what can I take that I can apply to my level of culture where I'm at? So Uh, You know, I'm excited to see what happens. Like I said, I I think, you know, from what I'm hearing and what I'm seeing, I I, I like the the momentum.
1: Yeah, just to put a bow on that, what Liam has said both, I think twice now in the last two three days four days whatever every eligible is open when Devin Larry is looking in the that is like when he said that it was like oh like okay so I I just that's why I keep coming back to the decision making not going to your check down not forcing things that aren't there which again I'm not trying to pick on Will Levis but I just think those were some of the things that led to some of the struggles for him why we saw 13 and 10 interceptions you know respectively the last two years I, I, I I mean I can't tell you how many times that the defense during that practice that we got to see how many there were a good amount of times where the defense just covered it up really well downfield. And Ray Davis was wide open, or Jutan McLean was wide open for the check down. He hits one of them and it goes for 10 yards. I mean, it happened a bunch, and we haven't seen that. And we saw it in 21 with Chris Rodriguez, Jutan at times, Cavassier smoke at times. I think maybe part of it's Liam Cohen, like in, enforcing that and making that something, because Will did do it a little bit more in 21. But I, I just think you're going to see it a lot more. And, you know, not no one likes the check down, it's a boring play just for him. Um, a football fan perspective, right? But hey, it's a smart play. And when you have some some guys who can really run, uh like like Demi can, like Juton can, I think Ray can run a little bit better than he's given credit for. Uh yeah, and if it's blocked downfield, those those are gonna end up being big plays.
2: And you know it's a system thing because you see I mean you saw a young Jerry golf mm. able to consistently hit a check down. Mm-hmm when I saw that in the NFL, I was like, "Okay, it's the system." You saw a Will Levis who wasn't that experienced, you know, get to Kentucky and was able to hit the checkdown more than he did last
1: year. Yeah, uh, and he didn't do it almost at all last year. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's
2: what I'm saying. And, and hitting a checkdown to a defense, hitting the check checkdown and they go in ten yards to a defensive coordinator—that's equivalent to having Lamar Jackson at quarterback. And yeah. he's, you cover everything up and he scrambles and gets you twelve. And that's that's annoying for defense. So, you know, it's a weapon to have when you have a running back who can catch a two-yard route or three yard route or behind the line of scrimmage route right. and turn it into seven plus. That's a weapon to have. And to have a quarterback who can process that and become comfortable with taking those things, you know, you're dealing with you're dealing with upper level offense, is what you're dealing with. So I like to see it, you know, it's one of the first things I noticed when I started studying the Rams, uh, which ha- was how much that a young Jared Goff was able to consistently hit his check downs and uh, turn it into positive plays, man. So, you know, like I said, I this offense is like it, it's so it, it's so simple but complex. <laughs> And, yeah. they, they, and they, you it's noticeable at how fast the players are playing relative to what they did last year, how much confidence they have in what they're doing relative to what happened last year. And I just – and I haven't even been at practice. I just saw a few clips. So I can only imagine yeah. going to practice and actually seeing the detail of it. So, I, you know, that's good.
0: And so when they – and, you know, that stood out to me too, listening to the press conference. All eligibles, like you said, some – for real, Jalen, we—that means no decoys, like no decoys at all. Really? <laughs> what,
2: what, what I got from that all—that—that—that that, that, that lets me know that you know, first that he can put the ball in spots where only his guys can get it, so he has the accuracy. Right. That's one. The next thing is he's able to process and get through his progression. Uh That's two, and the last thing is. He can not only can he put the ball in spots, but they have the talent at receiver for those guys to go get it anyway. You know when it's covered, can you make contested catches? And we all know in this conference, the corners in this conference go play uh, high level All Pro Pro Bowl football. So if you can if you can do that in this conference, then you can do it anywhere. Um, yep. So that that you know, like I said, that for him, I haven't been able to watch all the interviews. I've been so busy with camp, but I didn't know that he said that. You know, the fact that he said that and you said that he said a couple times. Twice, yeah. Uh, is is uh
1: interesting. That that's yeah. you know, it's good. And by the way, no interceptions for the for actually any of the scholarship court, no interceptions in eleven on 11s or seven on sevens from the quarterbacks. The only one was uh the walk on Shane Ham on the last play of practice. So <laughs> Mark's it was funny because it felt like practice should have been over and, and the offense kept making some plays and Mark uh, Stoops clearly waited for a defensive play and uh, practice. So <laughs> you got to walk on on walk on crime with an interception. And that was the one that uh, called the dead, but no interceptions. And I was just looking at my notes from last year's fan day practice. And the first team offense had three interceptions on 11 on 11. So we'll see. I mean, what does it mean? I, I don't know, but uh, they didn't turn the ball over.
0: You know, when you at, when you at the park at the playground, you can't, Lead the court until you make your last shot, so, right? You, know, you got you can't in practice until, yeah, you know, so make so a play. as soon
1: as that defense made a play, <laughs> that that was it.
2: That's how they do, right? Yeah, <laughs> coach.
1: yep. And I think
0: you know, speaking of this though, AG, you and I talked about it last week. If jokingly, would Liam Cohen go in and go <laughs> Sean Payton on Rich Gangarillo? Now uh, he didn't do it, but you know, in the little poll I put out. It was fifty fifties, fifty-fifty for like they'd be cool with it, fifty for maybe he shouldn't do that. But I think it was John Clay that asked Woodward, is there any carryover or anything that you can apply from last year moving to this year? And he was like, No. Oh
1: wow. Yeah, I didn't <laughs> so, I wasn't I talked to Woody, but I wasn't I guess I wasn't there <laughs> for that one. Wow. <laughs>
0: In, you know, y'all all seen Friday when when Debo knocked Red out and then his daddy come and say, and he said, you want some of this old man? No. Uh. That's that, that's the way oh. it went was like anything from last year camera this year he was like yeah, oh. <laughs> so
1: yeah. no i will say the one thing that was brought up that was an indirect shot and i can't i don't want to say if it was stoops it was definitely either stoops or cohen so i don't want to say who it was because i can't remember off the top of my head but it was at the at media day at on the on the uh podium there and just talking about the offensive line and there was a lot of just simplifying things and simplifying not just the assignments to the offensive line and all that but for everyone that just things got too there was too much verbiage there was too much thought you know that was being put into things and maybe that was on the coaching I mean again nothing direct but to me that was a hey okay they're trying to simplify things for these guys and kind of just let them do what they do best which is play football and maybe take some of the thinking out of it and I think that actually that exact, not exact words, but paraphrasing that thinking, taking the thinking out of it was actually brought up by one of those guys there. So uh, I think, you know, I think those are the big things, but to hear, I didn't know what he said that. So that's, very, that's very interesting. And, sure. you know, you can't, you can put a lot of it on Rick Scangarillo, but you, you got to also remember that the offensive line, just they didn't have the bodies they normally do last year. They lost three guys to the pros uh, with COVID and stuff. And, even I was thinking about this, like, you know, when you lose a guy like John Sharman, it just like it's hard to like reestablish that culture. Right away, right? And that's not anything against Eric Wolford. That's not anything against Zach Yenzer, but he had such a culture there, such a presence that, I'm um, again, it's nothing against the coaches who have come in after him, but he's a hard guy to top. And, and it's probably an emotional, you know, twenty going into that 2021 season, it might have been emotional for some of those guys. They were able to make it work. And then 2022 guys, Luke, Luke Fortner, who was a leader in that room, leaves. And it's hard, right? Because Schlarman's not there. And then Luke Fortner's not there. So, um, that, that was just a thought. I'm not making excuses, of course, but uh, I was just having that thought the other day. Like, I think people underestimate, you know, obviously football is the least important thing with, you know, John Schlarman's cancer battle and his passing. His kids are most important, his family, his wife. But the football side of things, I think, you know, there's an impact there that might have gone un- overlooked in all this. And now, you know, Eli Cox is an established veteran who did get time with Schlarman at this point in his career um Zach is here for year two he's kind of identifying a culture Liam Cohn is back so you know maybe things will start to take a turn and obviously you had you know real experience in the portal this time so I, I just think that was something that was overlooked with the offensive line last year
0: and on that note with the offensive line first of all everybody people that was tweeting out uh pictures of Coach Larman's kid in a little league world series yeah, that was real cool <laughs> that, that was cool yeah and the big dog too was asked about it like you said Maybe it all can't be put on gang. But in a way, I think they indirectly still kind of did because he was saying that, you know, even with all the talent they had at O-line in Cohen's first year, you know, all, you know, Canar and all the guys went to the NFL. Yeah. They still did a lot of six and seven man protections. And then you lose all that talent. And last year they did. Five man protection, yeah, was all five freshman, and and so that in a way that was still kind of yeah, he all... back to the scheme and the, the yeah. coordinator. And, and so, look,
1: the wide receiver screens were yeah. a joke, and there was a lot of things where I think Skang gets a lot of the blame. And I, I mean, look, Will Levis, not I don't blame him for getting hurt, but his injury is part to blame, and him just not having the year everyone expected him to have for. Injury or not is to blame. And I'm not, again, that's not a shot at him. It's just the fact that if he was the, the 2021 will Levis, they would have won an extra game or two last year. That, that's just the facts. And Chris Rodriguez not being there for two weeks or four weeks. Uh mm-hmm. I mean, there was a lot that went wrong for the offense last year. And I, I'd put, I would put, I'm not going to go to percentages, but I'd put the majority on Skangarillo, but it, it goes, on a lot of guys, I know Mark Stoops will like say it's my, on him. I, I don't even know if I'd go that far there, but it there's a lot, a lot not to like. But hey, I mean, if it, it's only practice, but if we're seeing what uh I saw on Saturday, which you know is only going to get better, I would assume, because you got three more weeks of fall camp, oh, man, it should be. Should be a massive turnaround. It should be a lot more like 2021 and maybe even I think you're going to get the turnovers down because that was the one issue. I think they finished 2021 with a negative turnover day for Uh, I don't think that's going to happen this year. Uh, I mean, it's on the defense to get some more turnovers. That's kind of been the one thing they've been missing the last couple of years. But uh, I don't think you're seeing that with Devin Larry at quarterback.
0: And. You know, I guess the the Liam Cohen effect. We talked about it a couple of weeks ago. Jalen before he committed, uh, but Stone Saunders commits. There's been a lot going on, but this, you know, class 2025. It's, it's that's a big get. I mean, you already got Bowley. You get Levis. You get Leary. Bowley Saunders, and the this. He still got two more years. Already, what, 100 touchdown passes, been to the state championship game already and all that. From Pennsylvania, And look, they just make quarterbacks up there. We're talking Johnny Midas, Dan Marino, Joe Namath, Joe Montana. I'm not saying he's going to be that. I'm just saying Kentucky went to Pennsylvania and got a quarterback in the history of quarterbacks coming out of that state. I mean, that's, you know, (laughs) and he wouldn't have come. If Cohen wasn't here, he—I mean—he no went somewhere else. So
2: you know, no doubt. I mean, it, it, it's pretty straightforward, man. If you got uh, Liam Cohen recruiting you, you know, I mean, it, it, there's not much else that need to be said. You know, uh, yeah. to be honest with you, I mean, just look at look at what comes from that system. You know, look at how they operate, man. It's just. You know I just like I like the mix of pro style but also uh there's like a healthy mix of like just flat out s- simplicity, you know simple stuff running tempos or changing the tempos um uh, you know a lot of you know' there's a lot of seem like a lot of just like easy throws built in uh from when I watch them you got your good mix of shot plays you know. Six, seven, and sometimes even eight-man protection shot plays. um You know, I just—it was just a fun system to play in. You know, seemed like I, yeah, I just—I enjoy watching it. It's not—it's not your typical cookie-cutter NFL system. And and you guys know what I mean by that, right? Yep. Every, you watch—you watch the Raiders with Gruden. You watch the the, the Texans. You, I mean, you just watch some of these teams. Uh, who else? I'm missing some some super cookie cutter teams. You watch the Seahawks,
1: and this just Raiders like, with McDaniel's. Even yeah, out. it's just it's just
2: like, come on, man! Like, get, like help the quarterback out. There's like a trillion plays on a call sheet with a trillion different adjustments. Like, how can you ever? I don't care if it's your job or not. And and maybe I'm just off my rocker, man. But. um <laughs> Last time I checked, there's only 24 hours in a day. Uh, And last time I checked, you only got four days to prepare for a game. Mm. Really, you know, uh, true four work days. How do you get good at all of that stuff in four days? Uh, I've I've always questioned that. When you watch the Rams, you see the same stuff from week to week. Now, they may adjust formation, uh, motion. They may add a, a route tweak here. But it's the same schemes, especially in the pass game. Go watch, you know, go watch the year, what year was it? The year they won a the Super Bowl. And they had a, a gunslinger, Matt Stafford. Yeah. And it's the same concepts. Week after week after week. NFL teams who do this every single day still couldn't stop those basic concepts. So that, that told me all I need to know. You know, so that's one thing that I think you know, you see consistency. You see uh, a foundation that quarterbacks can build on top of, you know, in this system. So, uh, like I said, I wouldn't be shocked if they start really landing some, you know, some guys on the offensive side of the ball, man, because if they have a good year this year, uh, you know, it's going to be one of those things where you're going to see guys who were supposed to go to Bama, you know, they're supposed to go to quarterbacks that say, hey, man, I may have to look at this because uh, these guys are are, are operating at a high clip.
1: Yeah, I, I don't disagree with you, man. And I think, you know, and you look at all these, even the four-star receivers they've gotten in the last three years. They're all, like, Jamar Porter committed before Liam Cohen left. <laughs> uh, Raryon Brown, Dane Key, they're all, those are all, uh Cohen commits so I I totally see it offensive linemen too even I think you know they're going to do better just any offensive player uh is going to want to play in the system you know that they saw in 2021 if it's able to replicate itself again um but the you know the one thing I'm curious with is you know you know know, I don't want to look ahead to next year but 2024 quarterback situation because they're gonna have cutter bully uh Kaya Sharon guys he was awesome and I've never seen him play the way he did At open practice Saturday, I mean, he uh, his best play was probably a 50-yard deep ball into the end zone to the Cal Crowdis. Crowdis, you know, beat double coverage. You know, the the DBs were still pretty close, and you know, it's just a straight goal ball in the middle of the field, and. (laughs) sure <laughs> dropped it in the bread bucket it just went through kratis's hands um it, it was it would have been probably the play of practice if crowdis if held on to it it was a perfect ball though and then he hit porter on a deep ball for a touchdown i mean he was no turnovers he, he was slinging it so i am curious to see you know obviously saunders is a 25 guy i don't think that's going to change uh what they do this off coming off season uh if they're going to just let it be between Kaya, Destin, Wade, and and Cutter, Bully, and make the best man win, or, or they going to do the portal thing one more time uh, to try to try to find a guy like Leary or Levis. So, um, but regardless, whether it's portal, whether it's high school kids, um, there's a reason Devin Leary, the top quarterback transfer, you know, who could have gone anywhere. Uh, specifically, could have gone to Auburn, could have gone to Florida, could have gone to even Missouri, where you know Eli Drinkwitz is the one who recruited him out of high school. Uh, they have a good relationship. He could have gone there, uh, and he ends up ends up here for a reason.
0: And we talked, you know, SEC media days about you know Weaver and and the weight that he gained. Uh, mm-hmm. The other day, we talked about well, well, they talked to to Bates about the weight that he's oh, lost yeah. getting down from from 270 to 255 and he's you know determined to not be labeled as just a blocking tight end uh wants to show he has hands wants to show that he can move you know you already mentioned Cummings who we had on here uh, last year is being maybe reestablishing himself and so that room is deep, and and Bates wants to. Hey, I, and not only benefit the team, but also benefit Better himself. himself to show yeah. That he can do more than just
1: block. That's right. And then you still, you know, Jordan Dingle hasn't practiced yet. He's still coming back from that offseason surgery. So it was funny. Vince Mara was reminded of that on Tuesday. He's like, oh, yeah, Dingle's coming back. I keep forgetting that. That's good. Just another. And Josh Caddis is nasty, too, as a block. He's I mean, if you're going to label a guy a blocking tight end in that room, it might be Caddis. Though he, you know, he had that 70 yard catch and run last year. So, you know, he can make plays, too.
0: Cohen called him a dog. He is. Oh, yeah.
1: Yeah. It, It was funny. There was a play. Man, it was one of the first plays in 11-on-11s, working with the first. And he had a red jersey on, by the way, doing all this, Caddis, because he's coming off an off-season surgery, too. And with a red jersey, he's in there still, you know, they can't keep him out. He ended up taking it off. Uh, But he's out there blocking uh, Trayvon Ripka, and he just, he won the rep. And they jawed, and they were pushing and shoving, and it almost got into a real fight. And I think that was another thing that was good about this part. You don't want fights. You don't want guys hurt. But – it got chippy a lot and we didn't see that last year. Uh, the, and you know, Stoops was asked about that and he, you know, specifically said, I feel like we're getting our physicality back on offense. I think just as, I mean, the defense was great last year, but the edge just felt like it was there Uh, all of practice on both sides of the ball, Dane key and Maxwell Harrison talk. I can't say any of the words they were saying to each other, uh, throughout the practice. I mean, they were John all day long working against each other with the once, um, there were a couple other examples. I mean, even a walk on linebacker was getting into it um, after a hit, like it was a chippy physical practice. And that was really good to see. I didn't, we didn't see that last year. Um, and, and just a lot of good signs. I don't want to go, you know, overhype a fan day practice, you know, not. I won't call it a fan day. It was fan day, but it was a padded practice. It was their second day in pads. It was a legit practice. Um, but I guess a first week of fall camp practice. I don't want to overhype it. I guess they'll they'll probably have their first scrimmage on Saturday, uh, my guess is. So, you know, unfortunately we won't be able to see that, but that's probably the first taste of really getting to see where, where you're at. But there, there was a lot to like on both sides of the ball. I mean, you know, honestly, I think the offense probably won the day, but the defense did a pretty good job in coverage. I thought – Pretty much all the corners did a good job. Um, my only concern, really, uh, after that practice on the defense side of the ball is kind of the, just the same things, just making – and J.J. Weaver look great. So this is taking J.J. Weaver out of it, just getting pressure on that quarterback, getting to that quarterback. I think they finished in the bottom 25 in the country in sacks last year. So that was the one thing. And then, you know, outside of Trevin Wallace and D. Eric Jackson, Jackson, uh, you got to have some guys stepping up inside linebacker. I mean, Davion Rayner, who – had really good numbers at Northern Illinois is kind of a guy they're still you know when Brad White talked about it he kind of talked about there still being a lot of developing and a lot of growing physicality wise um, for him so I'm and he was working with the third team so uh, I'm I'm curious to see you know how he progresses and uh, same with Martez Throw and Luke Fulton they got to get something out of out of those at least two of those three guys there so uh, those are the only things I really came a with with the defense but um, and then the offense, again, there were some rust in the past game. But overall, man, it, it looks like a much better football team than we saw last year at this time.
0: And you talk about stuff getting chippy and you know, both sides. Well, last year, as, as you and the media documented it, there was nothing to get chippy about. It was no, such the defense
1: a defense just such, dominated.
0: It was such a struggle <laughs> for the offense yeah. to do anything. Like you said, they were they were getting dominated. What what they, they got were getting the,
1: laughed at last year. What,
0: what they got to get chippy about? I mean, right. yeah, so this year, like you said, the edge is back, and you know they they can pop off and you know, talk that talk too. So yeah, a night yeah, and day. It, do. it was
1: a very even practice. I- I again I would give the offense. I'm probably biased with the offense because I haven't seen good offense from Kentucky like that in a couple of years. Uh but uh yeah, man, it was it was very, very encouraging. I don't know how anyone could walk away from that practice and not be not be pretty encouraged by what they saw.
0: Yeah, Stoops gonna ban you for the next press conference. You biased towards
1: offense, you no. even,
0: your credential will get revoked now. <laughs> <laughs> no, he's
1: no, he's kidding. he's been in a he's been in a good mood too. He's upbeat. You can tell he uh and again, he's doing, he's doing exactly what I thought he would. He's being very careful about hyping up this team, but he's also, there are times where it peaks through, like when he was talking about Deme, Sumo, Karen, Javi, like, yeah, he got really excited about that kid. Like there are times, and Devin Leary is always excited to talk about. So, you know, at times you could see that excitement peek through. So uh, I think, I think they're a dangerous team. I, I truly believe that. Not just because um, I'm covering them. I just, from what I'm seeing, uh, it, compared to last year, it, it, <laughs> it looks the part to me.
0: And looking the part, you know, we we talk about and see big game boomer put list out all the time and AG you just flat out tweeted that you don't agree with a lot of his <laughs> That's list. <true>. Yeah. <laughs> like, uh, you know, fan base restaurant, best college town, you know, all kinds of different mm, lists. Real polarizing. <laughs> Real polarizing. So he knows he's going to get a big reaction from one way or the other. Well, he put out his, you know, best college football podcast for each school. And for the second year in a row, I believe in Kentucky is his best college football podcast. Uh, so, hey, we appreciate the love. We appreciate Absolutely. him recognizing us, you know, back to back. On that front. So, uh, we had to at least acknowledge that he yeah. acknowledged us on this episode of the podcast.
1: No doubt. Yeah. I stand by what I said about not agreeing most of the time. Uh, but this time I do, and I appreciate it very much. So, uh, that was cool. I think that it got us some followers right away. Uh, I saw the numbers up again this week. So, uh, I yeah, that, that meant a lot. So, I appreciate that.
0: Yeah. yeah. No, doubt, cool. no doubt. No <laughs> doubt. Appreciate that for sure. Um, one, you know, down note too. hate to see that that Nick Hall was injured and they haven't really, really said why season ending and possibly more. His dad is a good dude, Antonio, who was a llama for Kentucky, you know, back when Lorenzo was here. And so hated to hear that about Nick, you know, not sure how much he would have played, but it was some depth that you lose now on that offensive line.
1: Yeah, I hated to hear that, too. And, yeah, it's a great question on how much he would play because uh, another interesting note just from, like, how the depth chart is shaking out is that Dylan Ray, who's the transfer from West Virginia, he's actually a preferred walk-on unless – that status has already been upgraded, which could be, but he was the second team left tackle. So that makes me question, okay, was Nick Hall like a guy that thought about it left tackle there as the number two behind, behind Cox. So, and Dylan Ray looked good. So, I I mean, I don't know, but yeah, that, that was unfortunate to hear. You never want to hear that. Um, And, you know, they were able to get, they get Austin Ramsey, the three-star prospect at a Philly. He was not initially on the roster, uh, but I saw him at Fan Day, and today was confirmed that he is on campus and a part of the team. So that, that, that just another body in that room to kind of help uh, stabilize things. But Paul's a guy that, you know, they uh, you mentioned he's a legacy player, uh, the guy they were able to get out of Texas. And um, there, were some, there were some aspirations for him to be on the field this year, I think. And uh, I don't know, not in a starting role, but in some capacity. So I uh, hate that for him. Hopefully he'll be okay and, and get him back out there next year.
0: Yeah, for sure. <clears throat> and the Pac-12, as we know it, is about to be gone. Wow, unbelievable! Y'all, man, <laughs> y'all thoughts on all of that? It's been getting crazier little by little, but now that uh, you know, when when <laughs> Arizona and and all those Utah went to the Big Twelve, Washington, Oregon leave, and now you got a pack. What was it? Four teams left out there after this year.
1: You gonna have a you know, pack of four. Pack four, yeah. Pack of four. <laughs> what do you got? I, I would just merge with the Mountain West and try to make do of it because there are some good th- teams in that Mountain West. It's not the same, but I, I'm hearing like, oh, I had a buddy saying, oh, they should scrap together this list of teams. I'm like, no. Like, no. <laughs> that just doesn't look – I would just do it. i hate it for the four teams who are kind of left out of it, but I hate it as a whole. I mean, the Pac-12, you know, it's – I know they haven't had much success football wise from a playoff standpoint but yeah. Pac-12 after dark the tradition the basketball tradition really uh even more so to an extent like it sucks and uh college sports is going to look a hell of a lot different starting next year. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And the travel, holy crap, do I mm-hmm. feel bad not for the small sport athletes uh like tennis and soccer and those kids who are going to be expected in class on a Friday after they play you know, after Washington plays a soccer match at Piscataway against Rutgers, and then they have to be in class the <laughs> next day, man. Like, that's... Uh, yeah, and, and, I was thinking... You no, know, go ahead. <laughs> no, just like, I don't know if y'all heard the rant that Eli Drinkwood had, and I know, you know, he's a little bit of a, a goofy guy, and he, but it was spot on, in my opinion, like, about the travel and how, you know, why didn't we get any of the players' perspective, student-athlete perspective, like, uh, and I get like I agreed with that man. Like that just seems. I think the football kids were you know it's they go on Friday and they'll be out of there after the game. They'll be okay. The even basketball to an extent, it's a quick trip. They'll be all right. But baseball. So the schools that have to fly. Com- I mean, the sports that have to fly commercial. Like it's brutal, man. It's brutal. Yeah, man. You get
2: you get uh, men's soccer going to play Rutgers uh, from UCLA. <laughs> Or USC <laughs> man, that's that's brutal, man.
1: And the rival like the rivalries, like we're gonna lose a lot of good ones. And a lot of like the Apple Cup or is just one example. The Civil War, Oregon, Oregon State, just some good games uh throughout the years and fun rivalries and schools just with really good fan bases that don't like each other like I just think there was some overthinking, like even I saw like, oh, we'll get a Washington, Indiana rivalry eventually. But it's like Michael Penix is only there one year. Is Kalen Kalen DeBoer really enough to have a rivalry between Washington and Indiana? Like, Mm -hmm. yeah, Uh, I don't know, man. It's going to be it's amazing. It's going to be bizarre. It's amazing. It's amazing what
2: potential potential earnings can uh, make you do Mm, TV. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And the way they're trying to sell it, the things I've heard, you know, the the Big Ten is is like, now we've got football in all the time zones. I mean, and – You already look, did. Look, you know, that isn't – Well, not
1: conference, I see what you're saying. Yeah, yeah
0: you know, it, and to me that's not a big selling point. And, and I don't think nah. the SEC – is the SEC is not going to make a reactionary move just to – Trump, what they did, they—I don't think they really need to. And then you got uh, Matt Rule in Nebraska, him trying to sell it. He said Nebraska can kind of be the central location for the East Coast teams in the Big Ten and the West Coast teams in the Big Ten. <laughs> I, I like the so creativity. Come, come to Nebraska. I'm like, man, man, what is that? Makes no sense either. So oh, the way God. they're trying to spin this stuff from the Big Ten is, is just wow. You man. know,
1: correct me if I'm wrong, like. I think as a college football, like people are fans of a team, usually maybe two in some cases, even though I never agree with that. Um, I don't think like there might be a conference that like, you know, I like watching the SEC because I think it's close to the NFL. It's the closest thing to a pro game, whatever. But I don't think there are fans of conferences. I think it's more so fans of the sport. And most college football fans are pretty jacked up when, you know, the day's winding down, you're you're in bed, you're eating ice cream on the couch, whatever, and you got UCLA, Washington State on the TV because there's a game on. Like, I don't think they really care who it is. I think it's just, it's unless you're a fan of that team, it's football. So to say, like, for these conferences to be like, oh, now we have games in every time zone, like, that's that's just yeah we're making more money at different times of the day. That's not we're helping our fans out. Like I don't think I don't I just don't think I, I've never heard anyone say yeah I'm a Big Ten fan or yeah I'm an SEC fan. It's no I'm a Kentucky fan or whatever. Like it's just I, it, that argument to me is so so stupid. He might as well just say yeah we're going to make more money off of it. It's great.
0: No, I, think SEC, be honest, does, I, it. I think the
1: SEC does.
0: I think the SEC does kind of you know puff his chest out more because like you you know i will say i'm an sec guy i do like like sec over the other conferences and you know the it just means more maybe corny but it does mean more in this conference this this conference ain't breaking down to four teams look at everybody else is (laughs) struggling and doing this and that but you know sankey ain't Ain't got reason to worry about nothing because he knows he knows he's good. Right. I heard a guy that covers, I think it was Arizona State, he, he covered the pack 12. I forget what show I was listening to, but he, he basically said he said, Look, when Arizona State is two and seven, the stands are gonna be empty. He said, If Auburn is three and seven, there's still gonna be quite a few people you in there. That he said, that's like last that's year. just the just just the difference in the yeah. conference. Mississippi State struggling. You're still gonna have a lot more people in that, yeah, uh, building in that stadium than you will watching Stanford. Right, one and he It's and he won. And, on,
1: and he, it's not gonna make a difference when it, it's West Virginia in town instead of Wazoo. Like, <laughs> it's just it, it, I just don't get it. Like, I get the money factor. If teams just straight out came and said, "Yeah, you know, we were gonna get screwed financially," I'd respect it more. But to spin it in any other way is just. It's it's BS. Like it, I, and I actually what Matt Rule is saying is not that stupid in, in retrospect sure. compared sure. to the time zone thing. It's goofy. I agree sure. with that. But like, hey, he's kind of got a point a little bit. And you know what? A lot of Nebraska when they had Tom Osborne got a lot of Cali kids for kind of that reason because it was in the middle of the country. But not nah, like to say, oh yeah, we're gonna have time zones and what? Like, come on, That's, yeah, uh, yeah, come on.
2: I'm gonna. I used to enjoy watch. You know, even back like almost near like the Reggie Bush days, man. Watching yeah, yeah. At Fresno State play super late. You know, I I used to enjoy that, but now you know, uh, a lot of these schools, man. They're you know, like they were saying it, it. What it is 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 it's semi. It's not semi pro. It's like a, a feeder league to the NFL. Is what it is power five college football. Um, and a lot of it is it, football programs are so so prestigious that they can disconnect from the school. Right. So like, I mean, the university of Alabama doesn't need the university of Alabama. The university of Alabama football team is its own entity. You know, that that's just what it is now. So, you know, it's just, we're going to more of a pro system is what it is. And I like what Chip Chip Kelly kind of had to say. He was like more of, you know, take some of these big power five schools and put them in like a super conference or whatever you want to call it and then have your group of five schools and have them in a super conference and they play for a championship. You know, because at the end of the day, we all know that aside from like UCF now and maybe Cincinnati, most of these group of five schools, they'll never beat Georgia, ever. Uh, so, you know, so just make them separate, let them play for a championship and, you know, and do, you know, do it that way. But a lot of these schools are selling out their prestigious name for a dollar, you know, cause at the end of the day, Oklahoma's name will not mean as much 10 years from now as it did the previous 10, 20, 40 years, mm-hmm. Oklahoma in sooner or later, <laughs> sooner. sooner get it yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> like that <laughs> so probably sooner rather than later if you were to have a child today when about time they're 17 years old they will ask why is oklahoma talked about so much cuz they're not going to go into the sec and compete at a high level yeah. it's just not going to happen yeah even with the even with the 12 team playoff i still don't see it happening yeah. texas can do it Texas has a bigger brand. Yes, Texas. Texas has a Texas is situated in an area where football is equivalent to church on Sundays, literally. Uh, you know, it's is or bigger, you know, if we want to be honest. You know, so it's it's in an area where they can survive. Oklahoma, not many kids are gonna now, you know, they say going to the SEC they'll be able to get more recruits. I beg to differ, man. I beg to differ. I think with Texas and the SEC, and you still got Texas AM. Ole Miss, LSU, Alabama, Auburn, Georgia. So, I mean, you still got all these teams. How are you going to survive in a conference like that? I mean, what? Okay, out of the ten games you play, you're gonna have oh, you're gonna have years where you catch bad luck, and five games in a row, you're gonna play a top twelve team, <laughs> potentially. You know, top fifteen team, five games in a row. Good luck. You know, it just it. it I just don't, you know, like I said, they, they sold their prestigious name out for potential earnings is what they did, you know, and it's not going to pay off. Like a lot of these people think is going to pay off.
1: Yeah. It's going to be just fascinating to see what happens, man. And yeah. yeah. O- 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 you, Yeah. I, I don't know. They're, they're harder. Like I agree. Like Texas, Texas is all coaching, right? Like, I don't know if Sark's the guy yet. They haven't had, like, since Mac Brown, they have not found the right answer at Pogeshire. Like, that is why I think they have not become Texas again. Um, I think as soon as they get – if you put Nick Saban at Texas, he would have done what he did at Alabama, too. Oh, yeah. Uh, Put Kirby Smart there, whatever. But even I think Elaine Kiffin would have done a better job other uh, than Sark is. So yeah. as soon as they get the right coach in there, whether it ends up being Sark or, or somebody else there, I think they'll thrive. But yeah, man, OU, it, it's definitely, you know, I think, I think they, I think they could have more success than like, as if, I don't know. If it, I think they'd have more success if Florida state came in, in my opinion, just with the brand and the proximity to Texas. But uh I think they may end up like in the Ole Miss, Mississippi state, you know, yeah. Maybe I mean maybe a little step ahead, maybe closer to maybe knocking on the door of the Florida tennessee camps, but I, I don't I just don't see him becoming touching Georgia and Alabama ever, like like Jalen said. I just I don't see it. I think they're just gonna be another and I don't know if Venables is the right coach there either, by the way. That's another thing too. Right, right. Absolutely. Yeah, I think it's I think it's just a bad time for those two schools to transition. <laughs> Like, I think, oh, you like Oregon going to the Big Ten, they're in great shape. Oh, USC, if they could, if uh, if if Lincoln Riley decides to coach defense or get a coordinator on defense that actually knows defense, uh, they'll be fine. Uh, Washington will be fine, but like some of the schools that are moving, like they're gonna get smoked, even some like Arizona and Arizona State are gonna get smoked in the new look Big 12, dude. Like, <laughs> It's true. I like oh oh Oklahoma State and Baylor will tear those teams apart. Like, no doubt in my mind. Mm-hmm. I
0: agree. Good stuff, fellas. I think we hit everything. If y'all I think we, you know, got the fall camp vibe, got the commitment.
1: Yeah. Got the
0: big game boomer recognition. All this is live like we talked about, and it'll be up on Bleed.com. Apple podcast wherever you listen, you can listen. Wherever you want to watch, you can watch. And feel free to subscribe to the YouTube or put your comments in there and follow like you all those new followers. Welcome. Hope y'all enjoy what you're listening to. Um, Subur so former UK long snapper Blake Best followed the podcast. I had to try to get him on cool. here, get the, the long snapper perspective. Yeah, if you they listen added to Blake a Best, scholarship
1: too. long snapper this year, guys. They're taking it seriously.
0: Mm-hmm. Ronald Gaines yeah. from Temple. Here we go. Here we go. Get Bowware coaching that all up. So mm-hmm. they ain't playing. They ain't playing. No. But uh don't forget we got merch too. We got cat daddy shirts. Jalen named them. We got blue, white, and gray. Go to shop.believe.com. Get yourself a shirt to start the season off with know somebody that would like a shirt get yourself get yourself one get them one however you want to do it appreciate everybody that takes the time to watch and listen appreciate y'all hopping on here fellas to drop knowledge each and every week and look we'll be back here next week there's more and more stuff to talk about we're getting closer and closer depth chart stuff Yeah, all that stuff is about to happen um, AG man we got to talk about maybe next week the, the Orioles announcer man Kevin Brown they oh, did him God, so, dirty, so dirty man dude.
1: I'll, if I were him, I'd be suing. I'd be out of like. We'll get into that next. Yeah. That, yeah. The, well, there should be more because he's supposed to be back on Friday, so we should learn more. So we can talk yeah. about it a Yeah,
0: more. we're talking so that about was, that next
1: week. That was trash. Yep.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. there's no sense in the way nope. they did him. But we'll we'll get that next week. Whatever else happens between now and then. But hey, y'all fellas, be safe. Have a good week. Everybody listening, take care. We'll see y'all next time. I don't believe in Kentucky.